Welcome to Let Go, Lean In, my podcast designed with transformational leaders like you in mind. I'm Lise Lewis, your transformational leadership coach. In each episode, you'll find help growing awareness of your mindset as a leader, be equipped with a tool to let go of unrealistic expectations and self-limiting beliefs that get in the way of your one precious life. My goal is for you to thrive as you lean in toward the leadership call God has put on your life. Join me and other leaders as we let go and lean in together. Well, welcome once again to Let Go Lean In podcast. Today, I'm very honored to welcome my guest, Amy K. Watson. She has such an interesting story and works in a similar parallel field that I do as a coach. And so our conversations will probably be peppered with questions and clarifications and deep listening because we're both coaches. So Amy, welcome. Oh, thank, thank you, you so much. I'm so excited to be here. It's, it's great to be able to introduce a guest to the listening audience because every time there has been just this rich conversation and I'm excited because I know because of our prior conversation that this will also be of benefit to those listening. So speaking of which, let me formally introduce you all to Amy. Amy K. Watson coaches purpose-driven, socially conscious, soulful leaders to discover their identity, own their power, and take principled stands with humor, courage, and compassion. At the beginning of her career, Amy worked as a hospital chaplain but she found that working as a minister of the church wasn't a great fit. After leaving the church, she moved into corporate management where she studied the challenges of people management by connecting with mentors and diving deep into the fields of organizational psychology and human effectiveness. In 2015, Amy became an executive coach with expertise in personal and professional effectiveness, communication, and relationships. She now partners with leaders in professional environments who come to her needing to address their motivation and everyday high-functioning anxiety. Boy, that is a powerful bio, but also such a needed role in this world. Thanks for sharing all of that and your gifts and talents with those who definitely need someone to help them. Well, it's it's work that I um, I'm so honored that I get to do, and uh, it's interesting. I've just recently been going back and reading some journals from like 32 years ago, yeah. <laughs> and seeing just how much I was connecting with a lot of different people and listening to the challenges that they were facing and trying to figure out how to help them using the tools that I had at that time. Mm -hmm. I had a very small toolbox at that time, so I was probably a hammer going around hitting a lot of <laughs> things that were not necessarily nails, but it was very clearly um, 
something in my DNA that I, mm. I wanted to connect with people one-on-one and I wanted to help. Mm. And fortunately, I've been able to expand that toolkit. And um, hopefully, I am able to offer people uh, much more effective means of improving the way they're thinking, the way they're feeling, uh, the way they're approaching their situations, and so forth. I have no doubt that with the added tools that you put in, that you're no longer simply a hammer looking for every nail to hit. <laughs> but I love the through line that you've been able to go back and identify. That's, again, side note, power of journaling, because at the time you were simply unpacking the present day, I would imagine. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Re recording the uh, the trials, the tribulations, the compliments, <laughs> lots of compliments. Boy, I wrote down everything positive anybody said to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, we need to have that, too. I actually have a file of notes mm -hmm. that is thankfully, you know, decades thick. But every once in a while, I take that out and look back because there, the world is gonna rip at us a couple of times every day, at least. So it's good to have some of those uh, positive statements that are true of us to reflect on. So it, it's interesting to me, you know, as I was reading back over and, and reflecting on our conversation before, the the shift that you made from a being with uh, role to the corporate world and yet still kept that thread of being with. And, and I'm just curious, how was that transition for you in before we dive into, you know, the ideas of, of leadership? This is an aspect of leadership, paying attention and listening to what needs to change in your own life. So do you mind unpacking that a bit? I, I'm happy to. It was uh, it was a clunky transition. Um, the first place that I started working was a, a retail environment. I was working in a bookstore, and because I already had just kind of a lot of mental programming that was uh, centered around the church, I found patterns in that bookstore environment that felt kind of churchy to mm -hmm. me. Uh, even beyond the fact that we had a Christian literature section with all of the Bibles and I quickly became the person who was, I knew how to arrange those Bibles, boy. <laughs> but uh, even beyond that, there were, there were places around the store where I felt like there was such a predictable pattern of conversation that it almost felt liturgical, yeah. uh, it, it, almost like a call and response where I, I knew that if I said this, I would get back that. And I found comfort in those little rituals around the store. Mm -hmm. We had at the time a general manager for the store who had a very pastoral approach to management when I first met him. And somebody said, hey, that's the boss. He said, no, no, I'm Steve. And it was so important to him to connect uh, at a relational level. Mm -hmm. So a few months later, when my own ambition was really kicking into high gear and I let them know that 
I very much wanted to be on the management track. They were they were very positive about that. They gave me opportunities. They came at my promotion with expectations that they articulated around my being able to connect with people and uh, help to improve the morale in the store. And they felt like that was really needed. And it turned out that the part of me that stepped forward to fill the role of a manager was not the being with people part. It was much more results oriented, much more authoritative, much more status conscious. And uh, the part of me that had that pastoral care approach just kind of receded into the background. Mm -hmm. And uh, so my relationships in the store were not great. Mm -hmm. Uh, I had some successes, certainly, but just also some really huge challenges. Just because I was not really retaining my awareness of these people as human beings who were just doing the best that they could. I saw them more as... um, tools that were there to achieve certain outcomes Mm. and I treated them as such and it did not go well Mm. interesting yeah and and I I I think that word clunky transition that that (laughs) you attributed I can see the clunkiness of it because the the assumption that you would show up one way and the reality of how you showed up there's clunkiness there Mm -hmm. the relationships and how they were impacted because of how you were showing up Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so yeah i i would love for you to to tell us how it resolved but i have a feeling if we kind of back the bus up to, you know, ask my traditional leadership question, we might then move forward and that clunkiness might. Maybe. Resolve. Let's see. Well, let's try it. Let's, let's see what happens. It. Let's try it. I, I, this is, a, you know, we're dropping in in the middle of your story by me asking you about the transition from being a chaplain to the corporate space. Mm-hmm. But I love to ask every one of my guests to to reflect on an early awareness of leadership in your own life because the purpose and intent behind that is my heart for people to see that they are leaders even if they're not in a leadership role because I ascribe to the definition if you have influence then you have leadership so you don't have to have that title. So that being said, do you have an early awareness? Yes. Yes. Oh, I would love to hear it. When I was a child, maybe around four or five, maybe six years old, but certainly Mm -hmm. no older than six, I had this vision that I was going to have a carnival in my backyard. And one thing that I knew about carnivals was that you had to sell tickets. So I went door to door and I had little slips of paper 
that I can't remember exactly what I wrote on them. I remember the 10, the 10 cents, and I sold them for 10 cents a piece. And then people came. They came to my backyard. And I was not fully prepared <laughs> for that element. So I went to my mother and I told her what had happened. And uh, I don't remember her doing this. I imagined that she rolled her eyes. Uh, but then she made some popcorn and she allowed me to serve some popcorn and uh, they sat on the swing set while my little next door neighbor who was a couple of years younger than me and I uh, did a little dance on the deck and that's really all I remember about the whole thing. But throughout my life, I have reflected back on the carnival and the fact that I had this big vision and I had so much passion and drive towards realizing it that I went out and I invited people. Uh, but I didn't have the follow through or the details <laughs> to actually have something for them to do when they arrived. Uh, so I find that that same uh, or at least that story motivates me, has continued to motivate me through my life to make mm -hmm. sure that when my drive and my passion and my vision motivate me to call in the multitudes, I got to make sure that I've got something for them that yeah. is valuable and that I'm going to feel good about delivering to them when they arrive. Mm, I love that. And, and that I, that big idea and being able to see it mm -hmm. is, is such a beautiful fingerprint of leadership because mm -hmm. Leaders are not managers. Right. They're not maintaining the status quo. They're bringing us towards something that doesn't yet exist, right? So, yeah. so I wonder if we can tie these two things together, the yeah. early oh, awareness and, <laughs> and the clunky start in, into management. But what, you know, you've carried that forward that you want oh, to make sure good. <laughs> you're good oh my goodness come on we don't yes. want to do this okay all right so yes absolutely i had a vision of myself as manager mm -hmm. i had a vision of actually my vision was of my own bookstore that's what i really wanted yeah um i believed that it would be fine if my bookstore were in a corporate you know, like one out of many. Mm -hmm. uh, so I had my sights set on being a general manager in one of these stores. And I did not have the skills. I did not have, um, I did not have the tool set to manage well. I just had this vision. And a few episodes of uh, Molly Brown <laughs> to inspire me. <laughs> <laughs> totally dating myself with that. Um, right. Candace Bergen, yes. <laughs> oh no, it was um, Brett Brett Butler. Oh no, 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 not I, Brett Butler. Um, I pictured the wrong wrong show. I was, I'm I'm in the right ballpark. She had two B names. <laughs> We're gonna have to look her up. We'll have Give to her credit. Oh my goodness. Um, so yeah, you know, I attribution so I is important to us. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Days and Nights of Molly Dodd, right? Okay. 
yeah, you're obviously going to be editing this part, I'm sure. We'll probably take it out just because, but we can figure out how to wrap it in. Blair Brown. Blair, I see you, Blair you do it's what close. I do, alphabetical. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So yes, I was I was inspired. I had the vision. I didn't have the tool set and wound up falling flat on my face. And uh, yeah, so the resolution of the bookstore story is that uh, I really crashed and burned. I got fired. Uh, I pulled way back into myself Mm -hmm. and played it safe. So for the next few years, I worked in uh, clerical jobs, just decided, okay, I'm not even going to try to be a manager because obviously I suck at that. Mm. And after a few years of doing that, um, the, the pieces on the board started to rearrange and I, I began to see a possibility that maybe I would tried to be a manager but if I was going to do it I was going to do it with a lot more insight and a lot Mm -hmm. more care and concern Mm -hmm. Um, and so I I did lots of research that's when I started doing my research to understand what's the difference between a positive work environment and a negative work environment Mm -hmm. what's the difference between a job that you love and a job that you hate and what impact does the manager really have Mm, right right so often a manager is in the middle between the team the employees and those that are leading the company so yeah what what influence does does a manager truly have and and so as you did that research and started to give yourself the tools necessary to be an effective manager did you seek out opportunities to be in management again or okay? Yeah. Yeah. So at the time I was working for a large university in the president's office and uh, a president was coming in who had a reputation for being kind of a big shot and uh, his staff was expanding. We knew that there were going to be where two of us had held down the fort in one part of the office. We knew that was going to need to expand to probably five with a manager. And so I put my hand up and said, okay, I want to be that manager. And I um, was, was honored when they did trust me with that role And yeah, and I just made lots of very careful, very intentional steps and made sure that my own reactivity did not get in the way like it had Mm. the first time. Mm. That's so good that you allowed yourself the opportunity to try again. Because so many of us, if you know, the, the saying once burned twice the wiser, you know, it's like, okay, I did that and that didn't work, not doing that again. And the way that the, the pieces on the board rearranged themselves and you saw that this opportunity and alignment with how you're wired was was before you, that that's really courageous. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It, uh, it was, it was, Difficult, especially because when I had 
interviewed for the first full-time permanent uh, job after getting fired from the management job, I actually uh, started telling people that I tried management and I figured out it's not for me. Mm. That, that was how I got this permanent role. And so it became part of my narrative. And after a few years of that being part of my story, I started to question it. And it's, it's not easy to question your own story, Uh, which is why now when I'm working with people, I do make sure that we spend some time figuring out what's the story that you tell Mm -hmm. and how is that story affecting how you see yourself and what you believe is possible for you. Uh, I I have a client right now who is just, she's a brilliant, gifted person who has been aiming low her whole life Mm -hmm. because that's what she believed that was possible for Mm -hmm. her. She had been told in school that um, she's not very good at math. She's not very good at science. And, um, So she kind of carried this around with her. Uh, Then by the time she got to me, I think she's in her late 40s or early 50s, something like that. We did an assessment and it came back with all of these gifts in science and math. And she said, but but that doesn't make sense. I suck at math. And I said, well, I believe that somebody told you that you suck at math. And I believe that you tell yourself that you suck at math. Mm. But this is telling me that you don't. Mm. And so now she's looking at STEM fields. She's not going to be able to be a scientist because she didn't go to school and equip herself for that. Right. But she can work in that kind of environment. And she she could be the next Aaron Brockovich for all I know. <laughs> and without the power of your own story, recognizing how you had limited yourself with mm. the story that you were telling yourself, you might not be able to lead this particular client in a way to question their story. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've had to several times through my life say to myself, well, okay. We thought that the road was going that way. Turns out don't like that road. Going to take a different road. (laughs) And uh, yeah, I've actually made several shifts like that. Mm -hmm. The, The shift from ministry into corporate environment. Mm -hmm. That was one of those shifts. Uh, The shift, I I made an earlier shift. I had started school actually as a physics major in college and got into that for a while and finally decided, you know what, as much as I enjoy theoretical physics, I just don't enjoy doing that much math and I want (laughs) to do something different. (laughs) And I changed my major to organizational communication, very people oriented. Right. so there's there's been a lot of those times when I've just said, well, okay, that's not working. I'm going to try a different road. You know, there's such a power in modeling and you have modeled the ability to take a look and say, no, and make that course correction. I, I'm confident that you've run across at least one person in your coaching that you've seen how it's very black or white. I went to school for this. This is what I need to do. I hate it. I have no other options. And you know this. So the the gift that you offer 
in your own story again is so powerful and and i imagine that you know there are times that you've had to kind of take yourself by the shoulders at that I, I use the word course correction, but it isn't really a correction. It's noticing this no longer fits and something else is going to. Yeah. And so it's just another step, right? The path might be taking a turn in a different direction, but what if, if there is one or maybe a set of, of a, a tool or tools that you have used that could be something that you share with your clients, or in this case, those who listen to this this interview? Is there yeah. something that stands out? There is. There's a tool set that's called Internal Family Systems. Have you ever heard of this? I, I have, in my own therapy, been mm -hmm. instructed about family systems, but I didn't know there was a particular tool, so please say more. Yeah, well, this this is internal family systems, which is a little bit different from family systems. There's okay. there's a whole set of family systems theories, and uh, right. I'm I'm familiar with those, and I use those. But the the set that I use for myself is called internal family systems, okay. and the idea with internal family systems is that um, within yourself, you have lots of parts. Just like earlier, I said that the, the part of me that could be with someone in their pain receded when I took my first management role. Right. And the part of me that is very results oriented is the one that stepped forward. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I have within myself lots of parts like that. Mm -hmm. I have parts that love to get things done. I have parts that love to listen. I have a part that says, you know what? I'm feeling really anxious and I don't like that feeling. So I think I'm going to go find a donut because that will help. <laughs> I uh, know that part. <laughs> <laughs> and getting to know these parts, um, getting to be in communication with them, finding out what is the, what is the good that they want for me. Mm -hmm. and learning how to reparent them mm -hmm. kind of like if you can imagine uh, a parent with a teenager the teenager may be very loud very insistent uh, but the parent a, a good parent might hear that and say okay I, I hear what you're saying and I understand that that's what you believe is right and uh, I have a perspective that you don't have so I'm going to make a decision that I believe is right, but I promise you, I'm going to take care of you. You're going to be okay. Mm -hmm. And, and things are going to be okay going forward. Mm. And so I'm, I'm learning how to manage these different parts of myself by uh, opening that communication with them, hearing them out and assuring them that it's okay. I've got this. Mm. I, I imagine how that transpires, but I would love to have you explain that dialogue and process. Do you journal it out? Do you, do you go on walks and reflect? What, what is the application of the tool? Because I think there's so much power in this. 
Yeah, so there's a few different ways that I've I've used it. I I think journaling is a possibility. I haven't actually done that. Okay. Um but just a very quiet inward reflection. Mm-hmm. Um almost like uh, I mean it's it's a very imaginative creative approach. So, um I think of the the multiple personalities idea as being just a powerful metaphor. So as I say this, I also don't want people to start pathologizing me or thinking <laughs> that my God, she's crazy. <laughs> uh, it's it's no, really just no, it's I... an approach to uh, um, understanding these seemingly mm-hmm. uh, these these contradictions that we hold within ourselves. Right. So. Um, so yeah, in my own imagination, I I try to picture this part. There there's a somatic element, so when I'm feeling something powerful, I try to f- figure out where in my body am I feeling that. Yes. And if if I'm feeling it um like over on the right side of my chest, I'll, I'll put my hands there and I'll just start talking to it and asking it ah okay uh what are your concerns what are you what are you thinking about what are you trying to tell me and then i'll just be quiet and i'll listen and sometimes it gives me words sometimes it gives me pictures uh sometimes it uh depending on what the part is like and what its role is it might just be wailing Mm. and i just listen Mm-hmm. And I, I hold it and wait yeah. and, and just be present with it. Mm. Um, eventually, um, I try to find out what it's maybe afraid of. Um, what, what is it asking for? Mm-hmm. Um, I try to evaluate. Is that something that I can accommodate? Does it make sense for me to accommodate it? Mm-hmm. Or... For instance, in the case of the part that really believes that the answers are in the kitchen, particularly in the refrigerator, uh, that one I, I really have to talk off the ledge a lot and say, you know, I, I understand that that really feels like that's going to be a solution, but it never has been a solution. And uh, even if it feels good for the, the moments when we're stuffing our face, mm-hmm. it doesn't last beyond that. And so let's let's stick with something that's a lasting solution. So it's, it's just kind of an ongoing dialogue when I'm doing it with myself. Uh, I also have a therapist who is trained in internal family systems as a therapy. And, mm-hmm. um, and so he helps me to find these parts and to open up dialogue with them and uh, work through what it is that is so important to them. That sounds like a very holistic approach to presence. Yeah. The somatic component, attending to the emotions, the conversations, there's, there's, no stone left unturned, not, I mean, you're acknowledging the desire to, to stand at the refrigerator looking for what will give me comfort temporarily. And, and that awareness of yourself 
is is first of all a gift obviously but then to to pursue that for your different parts within you and the different ages and stages i was picturing like above my computer pictures of me at different stages of my life yeah to to practice this system is there is there a quick resource that I, that we can have in the show notes for people to learn more about? Or is that hmm. just, I will, I will write in internal family systems and give them- Let, let me find something that I can send you a link. And uh, yeah, because nothing is popping into mind. There's tons of resources online, okay. but yeah. yeah um, well, I love just... that you have a, a guide in the practice with your therapist because mm -hmm. there are many different ways to have therapy and i think that you know this this idea of a holistic movement mm -hmm. is i imagine very effective because it's, it's effective and it's fun i just enjoy enjoy the heck out of it <sighs> i think it's the first therapy that i've just thought was absolutely fun i i enjoy discovering these parts i enjoy figuring out what they look like and what they sound like and uh, i even have a file in my google drive where i have pictures of um, what i think they look like for instance the one that likes to eat is randy from monsters inc you know the slithering monster yeah. <laughs> that's so funny so, yeah yeah it is fun that, and that is also a gift that you give yourself to have fun with the process rather than you know the detective with the you know magnifying glass trying to look for clues and being only about that you're you're giving yourself the the opportunity for joy in the process as well that's that's beautiful thank you for sharing that tool and i i'm gonna look it up because i want to know more about it i have only recently well recently in the past six years have gotten very involved with the Enneagram and talking about centers of intelligence, head, heart, and body. And so the somatic experiences are ones that I've been personally paying more attention to than I had in years past. So this yeah. is intriguing to me as a tool. So thank you. I, I think that Enneagram and IFS actually dovetail beautifully because I believe that all nine Mm -hmm. of those um, types correspond with sub personalities mm -hmm. that I can I can easily point to. So uh, I am a three in the Enneagram okay. and uh, my my threeness comes forward in big ways. My threeness is obviously the one that was out there selling those tickets to the carnival. Yeah. Um, but, you know, when I am overextended and I go to nine, my nineness is coming forward. Yeah. Um, I'm not as familiar with my six, but I know it's in there. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm very familiar with my four and I'm familiar with my five and I'm familiar with my two. Uh, my seven doesn't come forward as often, but mm -hmm. it's in there. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, there this eight, I think, was the one that took over when I went was in the bookstore. <laughs> So yeah, they're, they're all part of the family. And, and it's so true. And, and I love that you said that because as you were talking about the, the family systems, I'm thinking about this is integration. 
And that's a term, it's not unique to the Enneagram, but that's, you know, the whole point is to be integrating all the wisdom within ourselves, but you have to pay attention to it. You have to be intentional about it. And so, yeah, connecting the dots. I love this. <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> and, and to kind of wrap our conversation together, everybody uh, has an idea of what it means to thrive. The world tells us a, a three without addressing all the other parts within you would have a definition of what it means to, to thrive. But I wonder today if you wouldn't mind sharing what it's like now for you to define the idea of thriving. Yeah, sure. I think that thriving requires, um, in a big way, it requires getting your needs met. Mm. And it that's a tricky area. Um, another one of my favorite tool sets is nonviolent communication. And what I have learned from them is that so many of us confuse our needs and our strategies for getting our needs met. Yes. And um, so the, the actual universal kind of human needs that we all have, such as for connection and for contribution and for safety, um, if we are getting all of those needs met, then I believe we will thrive. Mm -hmm. um, but the, the area of need that I as a coach focus on the most is that area of contribution of being able to use our strengths. Mm -hmm. I believe that if you are kind of following Dan Pink's motivation model, if you are developing mastery and you are operating with purpose and you have autonomy and you're able to use your strengths every day, then you can't help but thrive as long as your needs are met. Yeah. So weaving together Maslow as well as, as Daniel Pink, that's, uh, that's beautiful. <laughs> I love that. The, the, <laughs> the knowledge that we have basic needs, we don't think about those things. We go on autopilot. And yet, I loved your distinction between the strategies to get our needs met uh -huh. and our needs. And again, that goes back to reflection, paying attention, and, and addressing what's coming up in, in each individual. And it's going to look different. It's not programmatic, right? This is... Yeah a process that that we're invited to to participate in we don't all choose to but hopefully people who are engaging in leadership development are ones that are learning and growing and then can turn and offer those tools to the people that they're working with. I mean, that's my desire anyway, in, in doing all of this. So Amy, thank you so much for sharing your insights and your experiences and this wonderful tool of internal family systems. I love this. I can't wait to learn more. And for those of you that are listening, I want to tell you, Amy is offering uh, you as a listener to a free gift 
to head over to careerleadershipalignment.com and I'll have that in our show notes, of course, and click on the blue button that says sign me up next to the iPhone. I love there's an image there and it'll take you to a page where you can download a free 20 minute guided reflection that helps you recover from inner V. Tell me and, about oh, an inner critic attack is what that was supposed to say. Okay, inner so, critic attack. Yeah, yes. If you have an overactive inner critic and sometimes it just beats you silly, yeah. this will help you to recover from that. Lovely. And again, that ties into that self-reflection. So thank you for offering something that wraps right into our conversation. It I totally does. So yes, on our show notes, I will have all the ways that you can stay connected or get connected and then stay connected with Amy. And once again, thank you for being here for this interview. And Amy, it was a joy to have a conversation with you. Thanks so much for inviting me. It was great fun. Yes, yes. And me as a seven, everything has to be fun. (laughs) (laughs) So good. Thanks so much for taking time to be with me today. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please head over to iTunes and like, subscribe, and leave a review. I know this sounds like a shameless plug, but honestly, your actions on iTunes are the best way other leaders like yourself will find this podcast. I really appreciate it. I would also love to hear your thoughts about the podcast. Let me know what you learned or what you'd like to learn next. I'd like to invite you to go to letgoleaninpodcast.com and sign up for the newsletter there. Where it says learn more, you can sign up to get a monthly newsletter that I share just the information from each of the episodes that you might not have had the opportunity to go back and check out the show notes. There'll be the highlights, the links, and other pieces of information that are pertinent to the podcast, as well as go over to Instagram and follow Let Go Lean In Podcast over there, because I am starting to use that more frequently as a way to help you as a leader get to see some encouraging graphics and have a few posts each week to encourage you in your leadership. So again, Thank you for going over to uh, Apple Podcasts and liking and subscribing and reviewing this podcast, as well as signing up for the once a month at the end of the month resource recap newsletter for Let Go Lean In Podcast. See you next time.